Ciao. Ciao. Jalo Chow Chow Podcast has returned. What have I done to you? What do you want from me? We want you to listen. We want you to subscribe. And we want you to join our Facebook group. Do you know how to do those things? I don't know. I don't know anything. Well then, it seems we have no choice. <laughs> che il passato non potrà tornare ma no non è vero amore e credimi pensandoci posso dirti il passato siamo Ciao, ciao, everybody, and welcome to Jello Chow Chow, the all Jello show, where Jello is yellow and yellow is Jello. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello. I've been listening to a lot of the old podcasts, and you don't say it like that the way you used to say it. You used to say, um, chow, chow, everybody, and welcome. And now you, you scream it with a kind of shouting, haunting kind of voice, you know. Oh. It was, it was oh. much more laid back back in the day. Okay, well, chow, chow, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> listening to NPR and Jalo Chow Chow. <laughs> Today we will be discussing the film Death Occurred Last Night. Starring a bunch of people you've never heard of. Otherwise known as, I can't get revenge unless it's a Saturday because I have to work. 
that's a huge spoiler, but yeah, that, <laughs> that, that could definitely be called that. Or maybe we um, could, maybe we could just call it. It's my day off. That's or, um, <laughs> really shitty bedside manner. Mm. Um, <laughs> or, uh, how many hookers can you fit in a phone booth? <laughs> or, um, like death occurred last night. But that night doesn't happen until at least a month into this film. <laughs> uh, or hey, we we get a we, blew, <laughs> we blew our entire budget on the soundtrack and don't have enough money for real models. <laughs> say it that way. Or um, I'm pretty sure this was a made-for-TV movie. Mm. Um, I don't know if they had those. No. We'll, we'll talk about. All of these things, and we will. Um, yes, <laughs> here on the Chow Chow. So, <laughs> so here we are back, only ten days later after taking four months off. Only, so, only ten days later. <laughs> okay, you're not going to talk like that anymore, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and listen to some old episodes. <laughs> figure out how soothing my voice could be. Well, I think you used to just say, Chow Chow, everybody, and welcome to Jallo Chow Chow, the all Jallo show. That's how you used to do it. Chow Chow, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'll figure it out. <laughs> it, it's a work in progress. Or it, it changes. It evolves. It's six years old. You know? Like, what the fuck? Like, when we started this show, like, we all had more hair. Oh, yeah. Probably um, the hair we had wasn't as gray as it is. I was married. I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) You gained a wife, I lost one. Wow. Well, I had to lose another one. Where did she go? I can't find her. (laughs) But you know what? If this movie is anything to go by, it'll probably end up in the last place you look. Yep. Because you know know why it's always in the last place you look? Because that's the last place you looked. Because you stop looking after you find it. <laughs> I love that saying. Don't you look. Okay, so do you wanna do you have a top three? Yes, but um I wanted to do something first uh before the top three. Okay. That, um basically is kind of it, for whatever reason, over the last say forty eight to seventy two hours, I've been completely obsessed with jolly right now like i'm just you know how you get in that zone with this type of with this with this film genre and you're like give it to me give me everything jollo i want it all um and that's kind of where my head is at right now so it's especially true when you have a like if you watch a movie like that you've never seen before and it's really good and so then you watch another one and that's really good 
And then you're like, oh my gosh, like I've hit a streak. Like I can't stop watching because I'm watching good movies right now. Right. So, yeah. Well, and, and for me, I think the issue is that I've been watching so many new Gialli, ones that I've never seen before, because that's what we're kind of covering on the podcast now, that I'm kind of excited to go back and watch some of the ones that I've seen a million times because I haven't seen them in so long. Yeah. Um, so I went back and listened to the old podcast, as I mentioned before. I listened to the episode we did for Solange. I listened to the episode we did for All the Colors of the Dark, uh, Your Vice is a Locked Room, and maybe one other one. And I came away with a few things that I'd like to mention about the way we used to do the podcast that may be better that we don't do it anymore, or it may be good if we started doing or think about start doing. And I'll, okay. I'll, I'll throw these all out at you. So the first one the, is the one that's just for me, which is that I feel as if I was way more on the ball back in the old version. Um, I didn't do a lot of ums and uhs and, yeah, and, and going off on tangents and saying things like, um, long story short after a really long story. Um, and I do that a lot now. So the only thing I can contribute it to besides age is the number of various things that I've been using to um, alter my consciousness while we have our podcast oh, talks. Oh, I see, I see. Um, and so I decided tonight that I was going to go in sober. I've just got a glass of water here and, and we'll That's see. what she said. We'll see what's We'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but there was a... <laughs> okay, so so that's the first thing. Oh, but didn't you used to, like, have, like, copious notes? Yeah, I did. I did have copious notes. And, and the other thing was I was doing the Jalo Score website at the same time that we were doing the podcast. So it was kind of all in the front of my brain. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, it's, I've paid, I've taken such a break and from this and I don't remember how to talk about it anymore. Um, so that's point number one. Point number two is you are obsessed in the old podcasts with playing the nepotism card every time we talk about Argento and it's hilarious. You always <laughs> talk about how he never would have been as successful as he was if it wasn't for his dad and the he money. He wouldn't have. I <laughs> still believe that. No, but it's funny <laughs> that you always bring it up. It's really funny. Like we were talking about um, in, in how your vice is a locked room. There's a motorcycle guy um, yeah. who gets killed and his name's Dario. And you were talking about how Salvatore, um, not Sal, uh, um, Sergio Martino's father, I forget what his name is already, the guy who produced all the Sergio Martino films and produced a whole bunch of other oh, ones. No, it was his brother, um, Lucio. Oh, it was, it was his brother. Okay. Yeah. So there was a discussion about how um, the rest of the old, uh, the old timers in Italy thought that Dario was like this um, bratty rich kid, and that's the only reason why he was successful in making movies. And you, you had this whole, you had this whole fantasy about how the Martino family and all these other like old school Italian directors got together and and had this whole like vendetta against Argento because of his his dad's money. It was really funny to listen to. 
Um, I mean, it sounds solid. <laughs> it's like, a good theory. <laughs> sticking by it. It, it. Like I haven't heard this theory in quite some time, but I yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty sound. I think and I'm sure I said podcast to be like honest. if you don't believe me, like what happened after Dario made opera? Yeah. He made a ton of movies and no one really likes them. Correct. And well, I mean you could successful. You could say that about Fulci and, and some of the other guys too. I mean Well, yeah, but a lot of those guys just moved on to TV. Like sure. Dario was the Fangoria poster child. And he really wanted to keep the the movie career going, obviously. Yeah, because yeah. he like the eighties turned him into a god. Right. Exactly. So, like, yeah. Well, I mean, point. The point has been made. It has been made. It was made last. I think it was made last podcast. If we're gonna go, if we're gonna be honest. <laughs> and you're like, I've been giving you too much shit about the Jalo score because. And, and never mind. You can go back and listen to it. It was yeah, three yeah, hours. Yeah. But I agree. Like, like it's it's a sound score. <laughs> and like everything Argento did um, that was shown to us viewers in between 1970 and uh, 1982, I guess. Right. Was amazing. Sure. And then, I don't know, cocaine? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? The 80s 80s are a blur for most people. Well, um, anyway, so that was the second thing. The third thing that I came up with is that uh, we did a lot of lists in the old podcasts, and they were fun. And maybe we need to do more lists. And um, in addition to that, I don't think that these days we interact with the audience as much as we used to. We used yeah. to put, we used to put a question on the Facebook page and blah 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 blah. So I think that we might want to do that more often. Yeah, I would um, love to have more interaction for sure. And speaking of interaction, um, I did get an email from a listener that I will read mm-hmm. after I'm done with with this. But my last point, <laughs> which is the point that you know, uh, it's kind of hard for me to to bring up, but. You and I never let Eric get a word in edgewise in the old podcast. And I feel really, really bad because I know that, you know, your personality is an, you're an aggressive talker and I'm an aggressive talker. And I think between the two of us, Eric just sat back and waited for there to be a pause so that he could say something. And there never was a pause because we were always just. Yeah. Yeah. We were um, definitely, yes, I agree with that. And I know that, I'm trying to remember around what episode it would have been, but there was an episode where I started to just start, like, going, Eric, what do you think about that? Right. Eric, what do you think about that? Like, and I would just do it over and over again kind of thing. Um trying to lessen that right um, there was a, there was a really funny one of those that happened on the one of the podcasts i was listening to because we did our top three edwidge outfits oh man and um the one that eric liked um he was trying to he was trying to find 
uh, a still photo of this particular outfit um, so that we could put them up on the Facebook page or something. So you're in the middle of some crazy rant and I'm interacting with you about it. And there's some silence for a minute and you go, what do you think about that, Eric? And Eric goes, Oh wait, uh, I wasn't really paying attention. I was <laughs> Google photos for that Edwin picture. <laughs> he felt like he was in school. Like the one time he wasn't paying attention, the teacher calls on him, right? Uh, it was great because he was trying to find like titillating pictures of Edwidge, which is probably better than whatever we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I think my um, favorite was the black suit orange tie combo. Yeah. It's your favorite one. Well, it wasn't your favorite, but it was. It was. Oh, it wasn't my top. No, your top one was my top one, which was the one where she had the shorts and the painted top, where it was just body paint. Oh, see, I, I remember that being one, but I don't remember if that was my favorite favorite. Like now, we're talking funny. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was That's fun. It's fun to listen to that stuff, though. Go back and listen to it because it's it's hilarious. It was um, the gold lamay. Um, pants and halter top from Five Dolls, my third favorite. That she was dancing in at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, like, I think it so. Like she got into a fight with a the giant like, hair, right? Yeah, yeah. You like that one, and Eric liked the the weird looking, kind of almost whipped cream looking white bikini that she was in on that same movie. Yeah. Oh, now that They're I all good. so so I don't forget. I'm gonna play a clip. It's really hilarious. You got to listen to the whole thing. Now let me ask you this: None of these staircases are technically spiral. Do you give points for this? Yeah, yeah. If if, if the if the staircase is in, in any way circular, it gets a point. But it's rectangular. And, and there only really needs to be one, and there was at least three. In, in this film, but so they if it's a ramped. staircase that continues going up across each well, wall, don't all staircases go up eventually? Well, oh, no, no, you have to, I see what you're saying. If you, if you have yeah. to turn four corners to get to the next floor, I call exactly. that a spiral staircase. Okay, well, just so you know, there's no corners on a circle. So, <laughs> 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 but yeah, getting a so. geometry exam here, right? All right, that was it. <laughs> 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 it's so funny because I was like, if you turn four corners to go up a floor, then it's a spiral. And then you go, <laughs> just so you know, there's no corners in a circle. <laughs> and then Eric comes in and goes, geez, I didn't know we were getting the geometry lesson. <laughs> I, was, I was listening to that while I was walking around in the park and that part happened and I started cracking up and people are walking past me and they wonder, like, I must be mental because I'm laughing my ass off. Do you know what is so funny? In watching Death Occurred last night, there's a scene where the chick has that bag of oranges and right. then she drops it and the oranges fall down. And I'm like, huh, that's not really a spiral. <laughs> it's more of a rectangle. <laughs> yep. You see how like things just continue to come together. And, and you know, in the theme of the spiral, you know, the, the uh the never ending loop. The well, four actually, corner a, spiral. A, a, you know? The four corner spiral. Right. So yeah. anyway, um 
That's hysterical. That's th- those are my thoughts on Volume 1. I will continue to listen to it, but it, it is a, a wonderful trip down memory lane, to be honest with you. And uh, it, when I listen to it at home, it's, it's almost as if I've got people over and I'm listening to people talk about Giallo. So it's, it's fun. So I've got an email from a listener that I will read. Uh, it is from someone named Tim Allen, and I don't think it's the guy who was in the Home Improvement <laughs> show, <laughs> but that would be great if it was. <laughs> uh, Tim Allen writes, hi, guys. Hi, Tim. Hey, Tim. I only recently discovered the podcast a few months ago, but I'm totally hooked. Jolly is definitely one of my favorite genres, and I enjoy listening to you guys discuss them. For the record, I'm a huge fan of the scene-by-scene breakdown. I watched A Dragon Fly for Each Corpse the other night, and now I finally know where that music came from. I have to go back and understand what he's referring to, because I don't know. But anyway. Um, what is that one of the recycled scores? It could be, yeah. I mean, maybe we talked about it um, on that episode and we, we started going down that rabbit hole of where, you know, where did the music come from? So, uh, I have one big question from the earlier podcast. Did anything ever happen with the book that creep plugs in the first few episodes? Not necessarily his book, but the one where him and he and Eric interviewed the producer. Please let me know because I'm not familiar with it. If it ever did come to fruition, sorry for the long rant. Keep up the great work, and here's hoping to for a more regular schedule in 2021. Your loyal listener, Tim. So thanks, Tim. And um, do you remember that thing called the book? Um, yeah, I rem- we talked to the guy, right? We interviewed him. I don't think I was part of it, but I think you guys did in the first couple episodes. Yeah, I never heard anything else happen from it. Huh. I, I guess it's a IMDb search away what is it was it a movie called the book yeah i think it was a movie and i think argento was working on it with some other people like there was if i'm if my memory serves it was like five different directors like Lindsay, argento martino fulci and um baba junior the junior baba maybe Okay. Um, we're doing like a book that was like Jalo short stories, but it was a f- movie. Huh. And it would have had like one of those wraparound segments where like creep show, like they each do their own story kind of thing. I see. And if memory serves, that was like a really big. Like, if it didn't happen, this is my guess. Like, in between 2012 and probably 2014, that was, like, a really big um, gimmick. Like, there was uh, Chillerama, there was Black Box, there was... Um, I think they redid Creep Show or had a different Creep Show thing. Um right. But there were a lot of movies that were 
trying to package themselves like that. So, and I'm not sure how any of those movies really did. Oh, and VHS, that was another one. Oh, okay. Uh, right. I remember that one. So, like, if it, if those movies weren't bringing in a shit ton of money, then I could see how the book fell by the wayside. Especially when you have um, those guys trying to work together to do something. Right. Yeah, because you, you probably have a, a lot more to deal with, you know, getting everybody to collaborate on, on the same I page. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. So my guess is that it didn't happen. If, if you're the guy who we talked to about that, um, drop us a line and let us know what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Because it looks like I can't find very much about it right now. There's a YouTube video um, in 2014 with Sergio Martino talking about him returning to the Giallo with a film yeah. called The Book. So that's all we have on it right now. Wow. Interesting stuff. So, but yeah, thanks, Tim. And uh, if anybody else wants to get in touch with us, um, we will obviously read what you send us right on the podcast because um, we are not that popular um, that we can't do that. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's uh, Jalo Chow Chow at gmail.com. And uh, I won't go into how to spell all that because I've done it a million times. And if you go yeah, to our show, far in and you don't know how to spell the damn name of the show, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, exactly. This is like episode like 712. Like if you like broke it down. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But go, go to the show notes um, because there's a link in there for the email as well as a link to the Facebook group. If you want to get in touch with us through the Facebook group, we can do that. You can post whatever you want to say right on the page, or you could direct message us either way. Um, I've taken a horrible pics to Chris. Yep. Any, any kind of pics are fine. Um, I've taken a Facebook break, which sucks because I think we talked about this a few, a few episodes ago where you were getting tired of Facebook and I said, Oh, well there's a, there's an app that's just for groups. So you don't have to go to Facebook anymore and you can still do the groups. Well, that app doesn't work anymore. So that's so funny. Cause I was trying to do that. Um, yeah. probably, Oh, maybe like three days ago. Yeah. I was like trying to figure that out. Um, but I'm spending more time on Facebook now. So maybe I will be more, um, Facebooky. Well, there and you if, go. If our um, Facebook phobias happen across from each other, then uh, <laughs> maybe there will always be someone checking Facebook. Right. <laughs> we'll always have coverage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. So, we yeah. We got to request time off. Right, got to request time off because if you know if we get a if you get a request for a new member, somebody has to let them in quickly. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I'd like to. I don't know that we have. I don't have an idea at the moment, but I'd like to like put None. something on the on the on the Facebook page that says, um, "What do you think about this or this or this?" Like one of the questions I believe we asked a while ago was. Um, name a giallo that you absolutely detested when you first watch it, and now it's become one of your favorites. 
And um, we had a bunch of people write in and answer that question. So it was cool. I think there's so many. I mean, I haven't, like, I know you're not asking me this question right now, but I'm just thinking about it. You're going to answer it anyway. uh, But I'm going to answer it anyway. (laughs) But um, Lizard in a Woman's Skin and um, Footprints on the Moon. Right. I think if I gave them another watch, I would have a totally different appreciation for them. Yeah. Because, like, I'm noticing the more you force feed yourself something, the more you end up enjoying it. And if that's what this hobby has done for us, then we're fucked. (laughs) So... Does that work with broccoli? Because I still don't like broccoli. I don't know. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> well, it's interesting you bring those two up because when I think about Lizard in a Woman's Skin, I think about how much I loved it when I first got to see it. And it was it, the reason why I loved it so much wasn't because it was a good movie or that I liked the movie. It was because it was so hard to find a good copy of it at the time oh man that's all gone dude i know it was a fulci movie and it was a big lucio fulci fan from him being a horror guy that i'm like yeah i can't wait to watch this but it's not really that good um i don't know we'll see but footprints on the moon i was thinking about that one the other day and um that that's a really weird film it reminds me a lot of uh stanley kubrick stuff i don't Um, know if weird is the right word for it yeah it got weird. It got weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think everyone, you know, everyone who sees the trailer and sees the name of the film or the thinks, cover or the cover thinks that it's about outer space and it's not, you know, <laughs> not even close. It's like she has one hallucination in the film about astronauts coming to abduct her and that's it. Yeah. Uh, but I like that one. I did like that one. But, um, one of the one of the films that has grown on me since I, you know, over the years is Black Belly of the Tarantula, oh. um, and you used to love that film, and we used to. I still do. And watching this movie tonight, all it did was make me want to watch that movie. Yes, like, I agree, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yep. The whole time I was like, I wish I was watching Black Belly of the Tarantula. Yeah, and that's not only because they had. It was the movie, the death, death occurred last night movie that we're going to cover on this podcast had this police procedural aspect to it, but also it had that thing where the, the cop and the girlfriend or the the cop and the wife. And there was all these scenes with the two of them. And it reminded me of black belly of the tarantula. Yeah. And they even did the thing where they're having a conversation that goes through like 30 different scenes and neither one of them are talking about the same fucking thing. Oh, <laughs> oh we'll I talk about that. it. We'll I have that it. in my notes. I do. I have that in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so last, um, real two, two last quick things. Cause obviously I'm, I'm, I'm on a roll here with like Jalo in my life, but, um, my homework from last time was to see if there were any films that got a score of 70 or more before 1970. Um, 
And so, so it, it made me go back through all of the Jalo score films that I've given a score to, and I've ordered them by year. And so the only film that got close to a 70, oh, in 1963, Baba's Girl Who Knew Too Much got a 71. Um, Blood and Black Lace got a 64. Perversion Story, which is also called One on Top of Another, which is um, Fulci, got a 69, <laughs> um, ironically. But that was it. And there's a few more that I haven't scored yet. Um, but this one, if I could spoil it for us, Death Occurred yeah, Last Night. Um, Death Occurred oh, Last Night got a 74 on the Jalo What? Are you serious? Yeah. So it's like a big thing. It's a big uh, deal. What did we give? Um, I would not have guessed that at all from watching this. What did we give uh, in the folds of flesh? I know that we went and I had a score for it and then we went through it and I was like, oh, wait, let's add it had dolls in it. It had dolls, but also. The um, the main killer um, commits suicide at the end and that gave it like like 10 more points. Yeah. Last time you were talking about some wrestling stuff. Um, What's going on with that? Anything new? Just uh, making promos. Are you um, involved in any other um, podcasty type things regarding wrestling that we should plug? Did I talk about that? Well, you talked about um, you talked about how you were going to take a class. And no, no, no. no. Um, when you said podcasty thing, did I say something about a podcasty thing? No, no, I didn't know it. Oh. But it, I, you've been doing like wrestling stuff for a while i didn't know if you had some other podcast that we should talk about, like that we oh should. no i'm actually um in the very early stages of wanting to put a podcast together for that okay um, and it's kind of like nerdy history stuff for me that it's basically the wrestling podcast that i wish was there already so i could just listen to it right but it's not so i'm just gonna do it for me well that's what they say right if you can't yeah. find the thing that you want then make it yeah necessity is the mother of invention that's right according or, to frank zappa or yeah or frank zappa would be yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah so nothing really is going on just um trying to uh keep positive um during troubled times and um hope covid dies yeah so life could go back to somewhat normal yeah strange times strange Uh, times call for strange movies yeah but before we do that i have a top three So this is going to be maybe controversial. Uh, maybe it's going to be like, oh, God, this is boring, but we'll see. Um, I watched a whole bunch of Tarantino films, and so I decided what are my top three Tarantino films. Okay. Um, 
And two disclaimers with this top three. I take Pulp Fiction out of this because Pulp Fiction is just kind of, it lives in its own universe for me. Um, it's the first Tarantino film I saw. I saw it in the movie theater about 15 times. Um, my entire relationship with my first girlfriend was around the fact that we both love this movie. I just have way too many connections to it. I know the whole thing by heart. I could recite the whole thing. So it's a great fucking movie, but um, I never you put mean- it in. Say again. No, I was just, just you mean take care? Oh, yeah. No. You mean take, oh, you mean take care? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I just have to remove it for some reason. It just doesn't seem right to add it to a, any sort of list that is a Tarantino list. So um, going from the bottom up, which is the way you should always do things. Uh, I think I made that joke like 50 or 60 episodes ago, by the way. It's a good joke. <laughs> Oh man, I have to bring this up. We were talking about <laughs> I shouldn't even bring this up. We were talking about how in in Solange how it was so funny that the guy who's the main hero is also like a child rapist and how <laughs> he was finger banging all of these coeds and and Catholic schoolgirls and you were talking about how You've been writing all these books and your fingers, your finger muscles are really developed and you, <laughs> wow. you, would, be, you would be good in the role of, of the guy in that movie because you, it was ridiculous. I can't even go back to whatever episode that is, ladies and gentlemen, wow. look up volume Actually one, don't. where we talk about Solange. It's really funny. You Matt, might not want to go back at all. That that sounds pretty. Um, that sounds very 2014 and very, not very yeah. 2021. It's not me too ish at all. Let's let's put it that way. Well, it was it was it took me by surprise, but I laughed anyway. Um, so the the third in my top three is actually Tarantino's most recent film once upon a time in Hollywood. And the reason why I like it so much is because it's, it's a movie about movies. And so it's, you know, um, the three movies that he did up until that point, the one with the Nazis and the one with the slaves and the one with the Western, those are all really good, like Epic type films, but this one is a lot more fun. Um, and so it, it's, I like it better than um, any of the other ones that he recently put together, but it's partly because it, it, it appeals to my style more than the, the last uh, few. So, um, and to be fair, I haven't seen uh, those other three in a while. Um, Django was one, um, Inglorious Bastards, and then um, Hateful Eight. I, I've seen them all, but it's been a while. So I just watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again, and I we were talking about it last time. I really like it. So it's my number three. Uh, then number two is the probably the, besides Pulp Fiction, the next one that I've seen the most of, which is Jackie Brown. And I think it's just a fantastic movie from start to finish. There's just so much cool stuff going on in that movie. Samuel Jackson, Pam Greer, De Niro, um, uh, Robert something or other, I forget what his name is, the guy who plays the bail bondsman who died recently, um, who was in Twin Peaks. 
He played the brother of um, Sheriff Truman in the in the Return. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. Robert. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Robert Goulet. No, <laughs> definitely not Robert Goulet. <laughs> What's the actor's name in Jackie Brown? Who's the parole officer? Robert Forrester. Forrester. There you go. Thank you, Zoe. Um, yes. So I just, and, and, uh, what's her name? Bridget Fonda's in it. And it's just such a fun movie because they've got like, you know, this main kind of thing that they're gearing up for this big event. And we get to see it from three different points of view. I just, I just love watching that movie. I could watch it a million times. Um, number one, and this should not come as a surprise if you know about me and the fact that I love horror and giallo movies more than any other type is Death Proof. Uh, Death Proof is my favorite Tarantino film because it is silly, it is stupid, but it is also so awesome with um, what's-his-name as Stuntman Mike and all the car stunts and Russell. all the gore. Yeah. Um, and there's even an homage to Bird with the Crystal Plumage in the, at the midpoint of that film where Stuntman Mike is taking photos of the next set of girls that he wants to harass. And they play that same Morricone yeah. music in the background. I just love it. Um, there is one scene in Death Proof that I could do without, which is, you know, the movie itself is divided in half. You have the victim girls and then you have the revenge girls. And when they go to the revenge, so when yeah. they, they when they go to the victim girls, there's a scene where Tarantino does this thing where they're having a, 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 a an in-depth discussion about some sort of topic. I think in the beginning it's about yeah uh, with the girl victims. It's about how someone need if someone comes up to this one girl and says something, then she has to do something, give him a lap dance or something. And they talked about it on the radio. And then the second half of the film, they do another mon not montage, but they do another segment where the girls are talking about something. But this time it's about how the girl stunt man, stunt, stunt woman from Australia and from New Zealand, um, fell off the car and she landed on her feet and she was a cat. And I know that the whole conversation is to set up what happens later in the film when they do the car chase, but it just kind of dragged on a little bit too long. Um, but I love the idea that these girls are going to go out and steal this Dodge challenger just so they can do a stunt on the road and then bring it back. And <laughs> the thing about that with me is that what you said is the reason why that movie isn't one of my favorites. To give Tarantino credit, if I want to, he said that the reason why he put those things in there was because when you would go to the grindhouse to watch these really shit movies, there were always a scene in it where it was just pointless dialogue for a really long time just to pad the movie out. Right. And so he, when he was, he was like, how can I do that, but still make it interesting? So the fact that he had that in mind, I give him a little bit of a pass on it because okay. he was trying to make it um, authentic. Legit, authentic. Yeah. yeah. But it still bored the shit out of me. Like, I was <laughs> like, I, okay. 
I don't know if we ever talked about this, but um, back when that movie came out and it was uh, available, I don't know if I pirated it or how I got a copy of it. It might have been after the DVD came out, I don't remember. But um, I recut that movie, taking out all the parts that I thought were stupid. Right. And put it up on YouTube. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was like the phantom cut, and it was like 17 and a half minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, yeah, this is way better than watching that whole movie. And so whenever I watched it, I would just watch the cut I made of it. Oh, okay. For 17 minutes, you can watch it like 10 times. Yeah, and then when I finally saw it again, like the real version of it, I was like ready to kill myself. (laughs) I I didn't understand what was happening. But that was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Well, I saw it as a double feature in a theater with Planet Terror. So... Mm -hmm. Which was I did too. I was it Planet? Was it Planet Terror? Is that what it was? The Robert Rodriguez yeah, thing? Yeah, and I yeah. loved that, even yeah. though it was not as authentic. Well, it was balls to the wall, you know, gore zombie action, you know. Yeah. So, how could you not like it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but with Death Proof, I find myself thinking about how the first half of the movie is interesting to watch for the characters, and. Yeah. The second half of the movie is interesting to watch for the car chase. Yeah. I don't like the characters as much in the second half. Like the girls who who decide Definitely. to take revenge. I like the girls in the first part better. Yeah. They're more interesting. Um, and I don't know what that says about me or what that says about Tarantino. But he he turned those into victims. And so maybe I, maybe I have this problem with women with powerful women i don't know yeah i think you do i think it's very (laughs) cool it's obvious um but (laughs) when you were talking about jackie brown the thing about jackie brown that like we were talking about earlier is that whenever i watch that all i want to do is watch coffee which Mm. is uh amazing pam greer movie um and i like if if like horror and Jalo weren't like my go-to genres, uh, uh, women in prison and black exploitation movies okay. would probably be like my favorite. Okay. And um, Pam Greer is like the queen of those. And okay. um, I have quite a few of those movies but coffee was always like my favorite and i've seen that movie probably uh i've seen that movie probably more than i think the only things i've seen more than that are probably the friday the 13th movies Mm. okay that is just like my jam sir well and you know it's funny because i I have no knowledge or experience with that genre at all. I've never seen Foxy Brown. I've never seen Coffee. Coffee's so much better than Foxy Brown. And if you saw Coffee, you, there were there's so many lines from that movie that you've heard in other movies that you've heard sampled in music that oh yeah uh, 
like it would be like you're like I've seen this before. I know I've seen this before, but you haven't. Huh. It's just it's one of those um, movies that are just so jam packed uh, with stuff. It's just oh, it's so good, and she's amazing. Seventies Pam Greer is like another level, dude. Yeah, like well, how does and maybe you don't know the answer, but how does the current quote unquote woke generation and society handle or feel about black exploitation movies? I don't know because I feel like, um, like if I remember correctly, um, sweet, sweet back was the first like technically black exploitation movie. And, um, the big spoiler here, um, and this is just like, um, lesbian fiction in the fifties. Um, he dies at the end. Right. Um, trying to save whatever he's trying to save or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like, even though, um, it was movies made for the black audience, um, it was still ran by um, the white money men making these movies. I see. And just like with the lesbian pulp fiction, like you could have all this lesbian stuff in the book that you want, but at the end of the movie or at the end of the book, um, they're going to end up committing suicide or drug overdose or whatever because we can't let society think that this is actually okay like there right. are ramifications for this shit i think so um i'm trying to remember the movie was it sweetback i think it was sweetback sweetback he didn't die he got out and that, but all of the black audience watching it assumed that he was gonna die because of course he's gonna die like they're not gonna let the black guy live and when he did, um, audiences like almost rioted out of joy because they couldn't fucking believe that he made it out kind of thing. Wow. So you had all these movies like Black Caesar, um, and then you had all those um, Fred Williamson um, westerns that were the black exploitation ones. You had the black exploitation horror movies like Blackula and Blackenstein and all that. Right. But all of the like inner city um, movies, a lot of them, what would go down would be like, they would be fighting the man. And then you always would find out that the whole reason why all this shit went down was because there was one brother who was in with the man Oh, and that's right. how it was all fucked up. Okay. And so the main bad guy was always, not always, but a lot of the times, another black dude. And um, so there was always like this weird thing where um, the white producers <clears throat> who were making these movies didn't want to be the bad guy. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So th there was always like this scapegoat. Um, and I think with Jackie Brown, that's why Jackie Brown ended the way Jackie Brown ended. You know what uh, I'm saying? I feel yeah. like Tarantino wanted to 
make sure that um, everyone who was good can have a happy ending if you catch right. Mildred. Right, because at the you end know of what Jackie I'm Brown, she, she's able to convince the cops that she had nothing to do with it, and she can, and then she ends up going off with the money. Yeah. So would you, would you say that it's kind of analogous to what they did in the 50s where these record producers would get these black artists in and record these songs and have these huge hits, but they wouldn't pay the, the musicians anything? And they keep all the rights it's, and stuff. It's, it's the same kind of thing. But I think the thing that makes like today's woke culture look down upon black exploitation films in general is calling them black exploitation films. Right. Because I mean they were like white people were exploiting a black cast for a black audience. You know, so in that sense, yes, that's exactly what it was. But when you look at like nunsploitation, like they weren't like exploiting nuns to show movies to nuns. Right, you know right, right. I'm saying like yep. so Nazi exploitation and all the other exploitations yep. aren't the same as a black exploitation movie. So I think it's the word that makes people cringe. Yes. Um and it's really too bad because some of the best action movies you have ever seen are those movies. Like, it's just like, fuck, man. Like, if you like, um, like Dirty Harry or um, Death Wish or um, even like um, the Polizio Tesco movies. Right. You know, like... These ones are fucking gritty. They're fucking just, they're good. They're just so good. I highly recommend if you, I, I mean, Jesus Christ, if you see any movie with Pam Greer in it, with maybe the exception of Scream, Blackula Scream, mm. like pick that up and you will enjoy yourself immensely. Cool. They are so good. Wow. We just we just have to come up with a new name for them so that people can feel good about talking about them again. They're going to call them urban classics. There you go. There it is. Did you just come up with that, or did you hear someone say well, that? Well, I already? came up with that because um, what was it? Um, I actually got um. You know those times when you go into a situation thinking that you have the upper hand on something and you start talking and you realize that you're going to look like a complete asshole the more you talk and your mouth just doesn't stop and then someone finally tells you that you're a fucking idiot? Yeah, every single <laughs> conversation with my ex-wife is like that. <laughs> okay, well, way, way, way back when, um, I was pitching... Um, I wanted to do a black exploitation type movie and I was pitching it to um, this like black producer dude. And I was trying to like tippy toe. I mean, this is like fucking 2011 probably. Right. And I'm trying to tippy toe around. I didn't want to say black exploitation. And um, 
I was just like, well, uh, you know, uh, and I just kept talking and I could hear him breathing on the other end of the phone <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. And he's like, we call them urban films. Oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. And it was just like the, it was like, I just was a, I could look like a complete douchebag. I mean, I was on the phone, so I sounded like a complete douchebag, but the more I talk, probably how this conversation is going right now, the more I talk, the more ignorant and stupid I sounded. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's but, but, but you have you have me on the other end who has just as much of an opportunity to do the same thing, so it's easier. And our five hundred listeners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's an interesting story, but I like uh, yeah, urban classics. Yeah, there you go. We just coined it. We New just coined podcast. It. Urban classics. What what? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. We're back. So in the main event here, we've only been talking for an hour, so it's way better than we did last time. Yeah. Um, now, ladies and gentlemen, listening to the podcast, Matt and I have discussed uh, whether or not we should do scene by scene on this or whether we should do running commentary on this. And um, I don't know. I if we, texted you this morning that you said neither. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, not to spoil anything, but there is a really awesome chow chow in this movie. Did you did you did you catch it? I don't think so. La 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 la. Ciao. Ciao. I'm going to s- probably start using it as our intro. I think that, um, you know, I, I have uh, a little outline for scene by scene. Okay. Um, it's not really scene by scene exactly, but it's like, you know, scene groups, which we can go through. This right? movie can be viewed on YouTube for zero dollars. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, and we owe this to our good buddy uh, who runs the Jallo Realm YouTube page. That's right. Search Jallo Realm on YouTube, um, and you will see a nice little thumbnail of the three girls from Top Sensation um, putting mm-hmm. makeup on each other. Um, go back to volume one, episode something or other, 50, 60, something or other for that movie. Yes, Jallo Realm has... has been taken down like several times over the last couple of years and um the guy who runs it s- continues to just keep uploading videos to it even after they they shut him down there may be certain ones that they don't look for and those are the ones that he put up but yes there is a very good version of this movie death occurred last night and if you haven't watched it yet i would say pause the podcast go to youtube watch it now yeah, because I'm going to spoil this movie in like three fucking minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's an it's uh it's about an hour and thirty seven minutes, and uh, it's a really good copy. I mean, I don't know. It, it is. It was so good looking that I thought it was video. Like I thought, like when I brought it up earlier, like it looked like a made for TV movie. Right. Like it doesn't look like old grimy film. 
Well, did you watch it? Um, did you watch it on a, a normal size TV type screen, or did you watch it on a phone or a computer screen, or how'd you watch it? Um, on, on my computer. Okay. So, did you watch it with headphones in or with just the speakers on your laptop? Headphones. Okay. Because the, 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 the music soundtrack is really well produced. Um, and I don't know how well that comes through if you're just listening to it through phone speakers, but I listen to it through my system on, uh, you know, I've got a big TV and, and a surround sound system and the, the music, whenever the music would come on, I mean, it's, it sounds amazing. So, um, I don't know if it was always that way it's or was not very good. when they restored it. Oh, here we go. This is the first point of contention we're about to have. Um, I did not like the music in this movie. Did you like it? Yeah, but should we say, okay, this is the point where I'm going to throw in the intro to the the movie because it's called Death Occurred Last Night, duh. Um, and here it is. New York. Paris. Milan. Death occurred last night. All over the world, the same cold, impersonal phrase is used to announce that a man's life has ended. But what's involved in a man's death? And above all, who? Duca Lamberti, profession chief of police. As long as society is the way it is, they'll always need policemen. So it might as well be me in this crappy job. Amancio Berzaghi. Profession, office worker. Do something. Find my baby girl. The doctor says it's an illness. My daughter's a nice girl, but she's sick. It's an illness that makes her want to go with young men. Salvatore Carasanto. Profession, car dealer. I've become a respectable businessman. I earn a lot, too. I've got an auto salon. Your money's still coming from women. Herrero Martinez, profession uncertain. What's your name? Negro prostitute. It should be very easy to learn by heart and to recall. Donatella Bersaghi, profession none. She's a mental deficient and an infomaniac to boot. She's disappeared and I figure she's been put in circulation. Will you look at this? And a girl like that would have to wind up in a house like this with special girls for clients who have exotic tastes. Death occurred last night. In reality, this cold official phrase is the result of violence, blood, and cruelty. Just as the cold pavements of a city conceal stories that end in these words. Death occurred last night. And there you have it. Oh. We just that heard it. I think I'm going to put in, there's a, a trailer I saw that was only a couple minutes long that is full of dialogue. So I might throw that in right there. Oh yeah. Cause the dialogue in this is fucking bonkers. <laughs> like when you hear me talk about like dubbing 
that seems like dubbing for dubbing's sake because they had to keep noise happening. Right. Like, this movie is like prime candidate for this. Like, there's so much shit said in this movie that is not important, doesn't make any sense, that is just, like, thrown out there to, like, because someone's mouth was moving. There was even, like, a ridiculous conversation the dad had with somebody at one point. Right. That I feel like they were like, what the fuck are we supposed to do here? <laughs> I don't know. Let's just talk. Was that okay. towards the end when he's doing his um, amateur detective Investigation. thing? Yeah. yeah. It's so funny because it took four... Like, I could see now, like, thinking about it, like, where this movie got a lot of points. Right. Um, and it had to have all happened, like, in the last, like, 20 minutes of the movie. Like, well, like, like, and, you know, some of, some of the stuff... Some if we're talking about the Jallo score, some of it is is points right off the bat. Like, you know, um, we've got a mystery, um, we've got an Italian director, we've got an urban location, we got an Italian location. So those points get thrown in right in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and the rest of the stuff where you get like one point because these are these little kind of tropey signatures, um, they're just kind of peppered throughout. But then you kind of have to wait till the end to fill in the rest of the points because the rest of the points are about, okay, what was the killer's motive? What happened to the killer at the end? That sort of thing. Um, and so mm-hmm. you have to wait a little while to, to find out, you know, is there an accomplice? Um, do they do a flashback? Blah, blah, blah. So, um, but anyway, um, Death Occurred Last Night, directed by Duccio Tessari. And we know him from, I think he did a bunch of spaghetti westerns, but he also did a giallo called The Bloodstained Butterfly, which was very much the same as this one, where it kind of walked that fine line between uh, police procedural and giallo. And um, the the captain from this movie, is he in The Bloodstained Butterfly? I don't. I'm not sure because I haven't seen it in a while, but he's the guy who plays Lamberti. He was in um, Death Walks on High Heels. He was the um, he was the doctor who takes Butthole <laughs> Face back to his his villa in the countryside. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that. It's funny because th- there are so many people in this movie that you've seen in other movies, like at least once, right? Like, um, it was, it was just the thing about this movie that probably like hit the sweet spot for me was that it just felt very homey because there were so many familiar faces in it. Yeah, absolutely. I I had the same exact reaction. It was like, I've, I've seen some of these people before and, you know, you and I have been, have been venturing off into some of the weirdness of 1970, especially with the last one we looked at where, None of the people are recognizable. Yeah. The budget was real shit for that last movie um, where they couldn't even get like one long string of music to like play. They had to just kind of parse it all together from from whatever royalty free shit they found. But in, in this movie, like it starts out right in the beginning with this point of view. You're in this urban environment with the trolley 
and you're driving down the road and it just reminded me of, you know, Sergio Martino and stuff like that. Um, but, um, very long opening, very long opening because they wanted to feature this song. I'm, I'm assuming, um, the singer's name is Mina and she was a very popular Italian singer in the fifties and sixties. Um, if you go look her up, um, and she has a couple of songs in this that she's, that you can hear her voice in, but it's, it's in Italian. So, um, now I particularly like the soundtrack because, uh, it just, it just reminded me of some of the other noisy jazzy things that we've heard before that you didn't and, necessarily like. Yeah. Noisy jazzy. That that's not my cup of tea at all. Not your cup of tea. Yep. But I think that the, they use the music in certain places on purpose to really kind of put this juxtaposition in the scene, you know? Um, anyway, so we, so a little bit more background on the film before we start. Um, it apparently came from a novel, um, by Giorgio Scarb, uh, And I have no idea what the name of the novel is, but apparently it might be this of the same name. Who knows? Uh Um, and I don't have very many other background information about the cast or anything other than, uh, this Frank Wolf character who plays Limberti. He was in death walks and high heels and something I didn't recognize right away, but the, the girl who plays his wife also played, um, Monica Ranieri in bird with the crystal plumage, the woman who originally is shown to be killed. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, you didn't notice that, right? I didn't either. Ava Renzi, her name is. Oh my god. She is the In the, the same year. She looks completely different. Yep, same year. Well, I'm I'm going to I'm going to give you one more cuz I don't know how many times you saw this film, but it took me 3 fucking times to notice this. But and I'm skipping ahead, but when they go to the fucking um Lamborghini headquarters where they go get the 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 ex pimp yeah. Uh, to get him on their team. They send in this woman to yeah. drive the car around and it's his wife. And I didn't realize that until later, but I didn't either. So like at first I just thought it was this inconsequential scene where she goes into the car dealership and asks for a test drive. And then when they get back or when, when he gets back, the, the cops are there waiting for him. Right. Yeah. But they actually sent her in so that she would plant the cocaine in the car so that they would yeah. have something to blackmail him with. But it's his wife. in Yeah, in the and team. the thing about that that's weird, I noticed them watching her right. go in there. And so like, I figured something was up at that point. But um, I didn't realize that that was his wife. But now, looking back on it, um, it doesn't really seem very in character for her to plant cocaine in a car. Right. Exactly. Well, we can, we can talk about the relationship that the two of them have when we get there, but yeah, there's a, there's a point where Lamberti goes to the newspaper factory and he finds her and they have this scene where the music is playing. So you don't hear what they're talking about, but you can tell that they're talking about what happened and they're laughing about it. So um, I think that was what that was supposed to be all about, but it took me three times to watch it to to recognize that it was her. So and to recognize that it was the same woman from Bird, um, 
She's got the I, different. I can't believe hair, it. Got a different she hair. had to have done Bird first. Yeah, I mean, both those movies came out in '70. I mean, if you want to get specific about what month, I don't think it matters because these were already filmed by then. So. And, well, and no, maybe, I just mean like her maybe, hair is so much shorter in this than in that. Yeah, I wonder which one she filmed first because it looks like she's a little older in Bird, but I could be wrong. I mean, I don't think her hair could grow that much in a year. You know, they probably filmed this one second and she cut her hair short for the second film. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, anyway, we 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 end these um, intro credits with this this really loud and boisterous Italian jazzy swing song with a scene or a, a, a picture of uh, Berzaghi. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it wrong, but I'm going to try not to Berzaghi, the, the character walking with his cane down the street. There's a lot of these in the film. It's a lot of exterior shots, people walking and the music playing in the background. Um, and it's actually not in the background. Did you notice there was a lot of times in this movie where, they throw the music in and they actually mute um, the film uh, sound. Um, like when they do a mont, it's it's kind of like that montage idea where you know uh, the the two undercover cops are going to all the whorehouses and mm-hmm. talking to all these different people. And you know, there's the scene where uh, Berzaghi he runs home to see if his daughter why the daughter didn't answer the phone and people are stopping him as he was walking and talking to him, but you don't hear any of that. It's just the music. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was weird, but it is. I kind of liked it at the same time. So, um, so anyway, Ber- uh, Berzaghi walks to police headquarters. He meets with these other two guys and all of these people in this film, we refer to them in their last name because I have no idea what their first names are. And I had to look up their last names on IMDb. So, uh, Lamberti is, uh, the, the older detective. He's kind of like the main hero. And then you've got, uh, Mascaranti, who was his kind of like, um, younger protege type. Um, and Berzaghi is there because his daughter Donatella has been missing for a month. Um, he tells them that she has the mind of a three-year-old, even though she's 25. And he mentions that she probably has this problem because his wife is RH negative. And I have no idea what that even means. Yeah, that was just fucking stupid. And then he's like, oh, and, and then he tells she's a nymphomaniac. Right. He tells her. To now, sh- is that. Does <laughs> RH negative make you a nymphomaniac or does it make you retarded? I guess both. I don't know. I mean, according to Google, if your blood protein. Blood has a protein in it. You have RH positive, and if you don't have the protein, you're RH negative, and it doesn't affect your health. That's what it says. So, at all, yeah, yeah. So it it's probably like that XYY chromosome thing that Argento did for Cat Nine. I was just gonna say this is <laughs> this is your pseudoscience. Pseudoscience, yeah. You know what? There's another point. I didn't even put that one on there. That little tiny thing about the pseudoscience. Now it's a seventy-five. Fuck me. <laughs> Shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> um, so then we have this flashback, right? Um, and it's a flashback where you get, you get to see what life is like for Brzaghi trying to take care awkward. of this, this girl. Very awkward. He's trying to put her 
her um her bra on for her and she's they're playing this wacky music with this woman mina singing all this crazy stuff and she's dancing around and he's trying to take care of her and of felt like the whole scene was to give you an idea of what Berzaghi's life was like because um, if you're a parent and you know what it's like to have a little kid and how crazy your life is and then there are people who have children who for one reason or another have a mental um, have some sort of psychological deficiency where they act like kids for all their lives and the people who, who the, their caregivers it's really a sacrifice of your own life to take care of these people. And it's a real hard thing to do. Um, Cause you're hoping that one day they grow up and mature and then you can get, you know, you can go back to living your own life. But when you have somebody with one of these kinds of afflictions, you're like, okay, this is never going to end for me. And um, but here's, here's the part of this that is like, I don't know if this is just bad dubbing or what, but Take, going way into the future of this movie. Like, at the end of this movie, when they're talking to the killers, the killers are basically saying, like, well, this is your fault because you always brag about how sexy your daughter is. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is that? It's like, yeah, but- why is he just, like, telling people... The whole thing's weird. Plus, he waits a month before he goes to fucking the police. Yeah. Yeah, because he thinks that the cops are just doing their job and looking for her. But a month has gone by, so. Whole thing. Like, there, there's some problems here. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't know what they are yet. Yes. We don't know what there are yet. No, correct. But I did like that that little portable record player that you can shove like a forty five into. Fuck yeah! Aren't those but, cool? I want to get one. People who play vinyl nowadays are always talking about you know how th- they take care of their vinyl and it's pristine and everything. But back then it was like, go get the record from the record store and shove it into that thing and play it. You know. Anyway, like I said, uh, I, what I have in my notes here is like the crazy music gives you an idea of what it might be like to take care of this this girl. Um, but he also says, you know, despite that she's a child in her mind, she likes to go with men. Um, and then they do another flashback where she's standing outside on the on the balcony and showing some of her body to some guy in the street. Um, so it's just a very weird set of flashbacks. Um but, you know, ultimately, Berzaghi is there to talk to the cops because a month has gone by. Nothing has happened. Nobody's updated him in the, with the status of the investigation. So he decides to go to them to kind of escalate the request, you know, um, because nothing's happening. Um, so they, they leave the office and we get to see, um, again, what the hell is this other guy's name? Um, I can never think, uh, Mascaranti. We, we can never, um, uh, uh, we, we leave the office and we go to the cafe that's nearby. Um, 
And this is kind of like another one of these cool things that I guess maybe still exist in Italy, but don't really exist in America where you, you basically walk to, um, this corner cafe where there's a bar, uh, you can get an espresso, you can get a grappa, you can get, um, a sandwich, you can play pinball, um, and then, just, you know, you just walk in and, and do those things and then leave again. And it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's obviously something that would happen in an urban environment more likely than in a rural environment. But I don't know if they have those in Italy anymore. And if Al Owens, our Italian correspondent, is still listening, if the cafes uh, are still like that in Italy these days or if they've kind of, you know, changed them simply because, you know, changed them for the times or whatever. but. Um, the thing that I wanted to bring up here is that this is the beginning of two running gags in the movie that, uh, spoiler alert, never get resolved, that never Never. get resolved at the end. The first one is that Lamberti keeps talking about how his sinuses are bothering him. Um, and then later on we see, uh, Lamberti tell, um, Mascaranti that he needs to get a haircut and it's this running gag throughout the movie they keep mentioning it but um it's it's stupid did you did you do the other running gag that what was the other time one? he puts two fingers out and um hippie's supposed to give him a cigarette oh really i i didn't oh the hippie guy i like i, I remember that one part where it's part of the montage where he gets the cigarettes from the hippie and then he goes to take them and then uh mascaranti is like no 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 no, no. these are mine and he and he pulls them back again that's where they're when they're at the cafe <clears> no with, uh, like from from the very first scene with the two of them they right. do it in every scene and he's doing it while he's talking okay and as the movie goes on if i'm not if i'm remembering this correctly as the movie goes on um hippie gets worse and worse about getting him the cigarette in time. Oh, okay. Well, there was, see, there was a thing that they did in death walks on high heels where, um, every time the inspector, Oh yeah, I'm watching it now. Okay. He does this little thing with his two fingers and the other guy gives him a cigarette in the very, very beginning. I'm watching it right now and he gives him a light. Okay. They did this thing in, uh, in death walks on high heels where, um, Every time the police inspector went to take a sip of his, I don't know if it was coffee or tea, um, somebody would interrupt him with another thing, and he would never ever able to take a sip out of it. You know, um, so like they, I don't, I don't know if you hit this either. I had to like stop everything for a minute, but the other thing about this is this beginning scene with um, the dad, and then the next few scenes. This cop is just basically saying, like, your kid's dead. Right. Like, over and over and over again. And it's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, this guy cannot be any more of a fucking asshole. So, him being likable, since he's our hero, it takes a very long time for him to become likable, I guess. Yeah, and then you could really argue that he never becomes likable. Yes, because I don't I don't really I don't really think he is. I think that 
I think that uh, what pieces of shit. Like you don't care for anyone in this movie. Well, the the thing is, like I do like the idea that the dad, you know, he put his faith in these two guys, and they finally come back to talk to him, and they're like, uh, "Sorry, we have bad news for you." And then he's like, "You know what? I'm going to take this into my own hands now, and 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 handle it myself." You know, and that's what ends up happening uh, halfway through the movie. But before we get to that point, um, there is a lot of stuff that, you know, that the two the two detectives, I guess they're detectives or they're inspectors or whatever you want to call them. Um, they. You know, what the point that you make is interesting, because despite the fact that Lamberti continues to reinforce the fact that you know hundreds of girls go missing every day and the cop who was you know if if somebody ran into her a month later i doubt that they would even recognize her because they see so many of these missing person things and blah 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 but then after you know berzaghi continues to um give him more and more of the story and kind of just pull on his heartstrings he's like okay i think i'm gonna take the case so, um, and there's this really cool shot that I'm looking at right now at the 913 mark where they're in the cafe and it's shot from the pool table and you can see the two cops and the dad, they're standing at the bar and behind the bar is one of the guys who's responsible for, um, He's what playing happened. pinball, right? The, well, the guy behind the bar and then the guy oh, playing okay. pinball is the guy that eventually gets uh sketched up in the in the um in, later on in the movie by the sketch artist. Yeah. He's playing he's playing pinball Which right there. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> the eyes are rounder almond faces are square around like <laughs> that was that was ridiculous. And, I like that I like that scene. They they drew the hair perfect <laughs> even though he never talked about the hair. Right. Never at all. I, <laughs> I did like that scene though. I thought it was fun. Um, so the only other thing is Ben, uh, I keep saying Benghazi. I'm sorry, but, uh, he does mention that, um, when he got his new job, he bought, um, Donatella, a, t- uh, a toy, a teddy bear. And that's going to be important later on. Um, so, then we move to the car dealership, which I talked about already. Um, and then after the car dealership, um, and there's a couple of really cool wide angle shots of the showroom, um, the for the car showroom. And then all the shots of the newspaper factory. I always find the newspaper factory uh, pictures in some of these jolly to be really interesting because they they show, you know, this crazy mechanism by which they get these papers printed and. I don't know how much of it exists anymore um, or how much of it has now become digitized, but um, some of those shots that they did of him walking through um, the newspaper factory were really cool. So Lamberti goes to the newspaper factory and he finds his wife. She's an editor or maybe she's a photographer. I can't tell. Um, But they introduce this theme of this liberal versus conservative. At least I think that's the theme they're trying to introduce. I think that's what they're trying to hit. But at the same time, um, as her being an editor or photographer, she's also, uh, she's writing a book. Right. Okay. So like, 
this whole bit in the newspaper place, this is the only time we ever talk about the newspaper. Correct. And magazine or whatever the fuck it is she's doing. And then every single other time she's talking, she's an author. Right. So and we never that's... go back to, yes, we never go back to the newspaper, except in the beginning where they're showing these, these pictures. And one of them is, um, a picture of Manson. Manson. Yeah. And Manson had just, I think, gotten arrested very soon before, very, very close to when 1970 when this film came out, like, I don't, I think the mur the Tate murders were in 69, weren't they? I think so. Cause, um, uh, 69 is when everything turned to shit with the right. hippie movement. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause 67 was the summer of love, but, um, yeah. And at first when he went to the newspaper factory, I thought he was just looking for more clues. Like he's at the newspaper factory cause he knows somebody that's going to help him with his investigation. But, it's, it's just funny because we talk about this all the time, or at least I do, where like when people are, are so heavy on exposition, like I'm going to go here next to do this thing. Right. And then the next scene is them at that place. They just said doing the thing that they said they were going to do in this movie. There's no exposition and it takes you almost the entire scene to figure out what the fuck is happening. Right. And scene you're watching. Right. Right, exactly. So, I don't. I don't know what the fuck I want anymore. This movie has just proven to me that I don't know what I want. <laughs> well, and you know, I think that the filmmakers thought that they were being clever by showing you the woman that goes into the car dealership, and then showing you the woman that uh, Lamberti meets up with in the newspaper factory, and then showing how they live together. And you were supposed to put all three of those things together, but. Um, because she looks so different yeah, in each one of her second. outfits, uh, I didn't get that at first. So Yeah. And then you're like, oh, dude, like she is so out of your league. And you playing that shitty guitar isn't helping anything. Well, it was funny because I thought that however they dubbed in the, the guitar sounds based on his fingers and stuff, they did a good job. It looked exactly like where his hands should be to make the music that he was making. So I thought that was kind of cool, but, Oh, um, that's cool. Uh, so, okay. So then after that scene, um, we do this montage with the whorehouses and I don't know about you, but all of these hookers do not look like they're worth very much money. Um, I don't know, man. They, they really, to it. they looked haggard. Like the, the first yeah. three, um, the one girl with the weird looking blonde hair and mm-hmm. then the girl who answered the door. Oh no. The, there's one girl that's in white boots, right? You had me at white boots. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, there's a girl in white boots. And they said she's, you know, she's fresh from Milan, which isn't there. Aren't they in Milan? She's from Paris, maybe. I don't know. And then the tall girl that he goes with because he likes tall girls, quote unquote. Yeah, because um, that's like some weird, freaky, perverted um, thing, apparently. Yeah, to go with the tall girl. Yeah. But all these girls kind of look a little like, I don't want to say busted, but 
That's not the right word. It's kind of not a nice word to use to but describe people. It's but authentic, dude. It's... They look... Haggard is the right word. They just look like they've, they're have they overworked and uh, overstressed. Well, um, for $5, what did you think you were going to get? Lobster? Yeah, right. Well, how much is a million lira in, in, in dollars? I, I mean, don't know. I, I know the Italians don't use lira anymore, so I don't even know. But um, anyway, this whole montage is kind of comical. There's that gag where he's paying the two different madams dollar bills back and forth. Um, but one of the things they did in this was to make a reference to what's going to happen later, where uh, Mascaranti, the hippie guy, he looks in at one of the girls and she's like studying like she has all these books and he makes like a face like, hmm, you know, she, maybe these girls are more intelligent than we thought, you know. Um, but ultimately, there's a scene where a hippie guy goes in and the woman, you know, she 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 sounds the alarm and the guys come in to, to beat him up and he he handcuffs them. And now he fucks, fucks the whole thing up. He fucks the whole thing up. He's like, yeah, you know. Uh, I didn't realize that I didn't have my handcuffs until they were on the other guy's hands. Which is what the fuck does that mean? It's like it's like it was such an automatic response for him to handcuff these guys that one. It wasn't until they were handcuffed that he realized what he did. You know. Oh, okay. He when when he said that, I was like, "So whose handcuffs were they?" Right. <laughs> if they weren't yours, like he was having an out of body experience right there. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> so Lamberti's pissed. Their cover's blown. He mentions get a haircut again. And now um, this is where we get to the new Chow Chow. So if you go to um, minute 30. And it's the scene right after uh, hippie guy leaves and he tells him to go get a haircut. Um I don't know if you can do this right now or if you will go back and do it later. I'll do um, it later. I'd rather not do it now. So so his wife comes in and she's standing in the door and he's playing the guitar and he's humming and you hear him go hmm and she goes chow and he goes chow. La 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 la. Chow. Chow. And oh, it, nice. it's awesome. It's really fucking great. Like I want to use it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So does um does she say, "Oh, I have like eggs in the oven." No. I don't know why she would say that. Is that a joke because that I've, I've missed? That's the chow chow from Black Billy the Tarantula. Oh, she comes <laughs> right. she's like, "Oh, I have eggs in the oven." <laughs> cool. Oh, that's awesome. And and just to just to reference one of our older podcasts, there was a contest where you were asking people if they knew where the chow chow came from. And as as we continued to talk about the contest and how to do the contest, you kept in post production throwing chow chow in there. Like anytime there was like a a, a little pause and there's silence, you did it like twenty <laughs> times. It was funny. And the funny thing is too, like we had just done. If I'm not mistaken, like we ha- like it hadn't been that long since we had done Black Belly. Right. And this like stumped the world. <laughs> Nobody knew. I thought like, I just don't get it. I don't right. know. 
What's right. this from? Um, so anyway, yeah, that's hysterical. But yeah, two. okay. So is this where they have the talk where they're yes. both talking about two different things and yeah. it goes from room to room to room and then they're fucking wearing kimonos or something and they're wearing dashikis. Oh, Jesus were, Christ. This guy is trying so hard to fit in with his liberal girlfriend. Right, exactly. And it's just it's a not working. joke, dude. Dude, it's I have the same notes that you just you just brought up. They have sex after he after he realizes that he forgot to make dinner or go food shopping and he gives himself a dull hit of his hand in the forehead which then gives him this this sinus thing where she goes oh no you know she's trying to care for him um but then you see them having sex and then after the sex is over you're right she starts talking about her book and the magazine and you know you have to write consistently or people will call you a hypocrite i gotta keep this town clean and at the same time he's talking about you know, being the cop, how, and then how and then hard asking, it is being a cop. Yeah, and then he's asking her to move her hand up a little higher because she's scratching his back. And then oh, they're yeah, looking around, and they're they're dashikis. They're like one piece dashikis, but they have like a waistband, oh, and so they look like skirts. Me. This <laughs> whole thing, dude. Like I swear to God, it's so funny because this came out before Black Belly, obviously. Right. Everything that happens in Black Belly, like, happens in this movie. Yeah, but Black Belly thing. does it like a hundred times better. It's so weird. But like, the, scene, the scene where she's sitting on the couch and he brings the milk in, her her legs are amazing in that picture. And I just had to bring that out because I is just... that the? Because there's one outfit she has on that's like. A very short dress with long sleeves. No, that's that's the one. This is the one where they're wearing matching. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, that... and the other note that I have on here is, I don't know if you remember, but in Cat of Nine Tales, when the guy goes over and has sex with the, 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 the director, you know, the director who's running the institute, yeah. he has a yeah. daughter. The guy goes over, the guy from the newspaper goes over, and they have sex. And then after the sex is over, they have milk. And yeah. in this movie, they have milk after sex, too. And Absolutely. I'm wondering, is that what you do in Italy in the 70s? I don't know. But didn't he get the milk out of the fridge? Well, he brings the milk in to continue the conversation that they were having in the bed two seconds ago. Okay. And then... He sits next to her, and then they continue to have the conversation, but he goes back to the fridge. After they take a swig of milk, all of a sudden, she's sitting at the table eating something out of a can. He goes yeah. into the fridge and takes an apple, and they're still talking about the same I think thing. this is just to show how, like, horribly different they are. Right. Like, I think it's like an artsy-fartsy, like, oh, this couple is doomed to fail. <laughs> you know like the whole thing it's just it's so funny like they're completely talking about different shit and again this is one of those times when like since there was nothing setting this up when it happens at first you're like oh i must have misheard something right 
Yeah, nope. Nope, there's no, they're still talking about two completely separate things. Yeah, and exactly. not paying a lick of attention to each other. Right. And so you're just like, oh, okay. But yeah, this chick is so out of this guy's league, it's not even funny. Yeah, it's, and on a police officer's salary, there's no way he could keep a girl happy. Well, she keeps Mom talking kid. to him throughout the movie about how she she wants him to stop thinking about how he can solve all the world's problems. And if he doesn't solve all the world's problems, he's never going to be happy unless he does. And she's trying to talk him out of that. But yeah. Um, but anyway, so then we move to uh, we introduce the Herrero character who is played by uh, Beryl Cunningham who we saw very recently in the weekend murder. She was the, um, the, yeah. Af- the African royalty, I think. But what else was she in? She was in something else too. I'm sure she's been in a ton of shit, but. Uh, well, that's the only one I remember her from recently, but. Okay. Cause I remember when I saw her in that, I was like, Oh, it's the chick from blankety blank. But oh. now I can't remember what blankety blank was. Um, and how do you say her name? Cause when you say it, it makes me laugh. Her actress name or her um, her character name? Herrero. Herrero. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. What was she and, in? Oh my god! The bedspread she's on when he meets her. Fucking yes. hell, dude! Is that the that's the bed where she has all those tiny little airplane bottles off on the side there? Yeah. Okay. Like the wig she has on, amazing. The bedspread, amazing. The oh, yeah, the bedspread is like 16 mink coats put together. Oh, my God. And then the jacket she puts on when he takes her out of the house to take her back to his place. Yes. Oh, that jacket's sick. Like, this chick, it's so funny because, like, she has wigs oh, yeah. and outfits and all this shit. And um, she goes back to his house and is, I guess, living there. She didn't take any bags with her. She has more wigs, more clothes, more shit. Then they go back, like, it later in the movie, they go back to her house. There's nothing yeah. there. She doesn't have anything. But she still has wigs, outfits, fucking all sorts of shit. But nothing's there. But I, so, I don't like, know if that was the same two locations, like... Where she met him to have sex with him as a oh, prostitute. No. The last location she was in was her actual house. Right. With, with the newspapers on the window. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like she just like wigs just like magically fucking procreate on her head and make <laughs> more because like she has nothing, but she always looks amazing. It's, it's like a so- gremlin. You, you yeah. add water to the wig and it multiplies. Okay. Yeah, you just got to do it after midnight. <laughs> it's all good. Well, the only thing that Beryl Cunningham has been in that I can tell, besides Weekend Murders, which actually came after this movie, was a movie called So Sweet, So Perverse. Yeah. But it says that she played the black stripper, and I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember that, so... Yeah, she was she was at the club because the club that club was fucking bitching. Wasn't she like wrestling motherfuckers? Like she you're, was a dancer. You're thinking of um, you're thinking of the case of the bloody iris. Are you sure? Because I remember we saw that club in a couple different movies. 
you're thinking about the the girl with the short afro who eventually drowns in the bathtub in that movie and she's also in uh, oh, yes, torso that dude yeah and she's in torso yeah it's different actress not the same one no that's a different one you are correct there but yeah it's tough it's tough to put those all together and i'm not being i haven't seen these movies in forever but when <laughs> you see somebody you're like oh yeah where are they from <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, anyway, they bring Herrero Herrero, um, back to the police office because uh, police station because she says that she met somebody who may know or no she had a threesome right with this other girl. First she said it was that, and then she just said she had a client who brought her up, right? Which didn't make any sense and he didn't ask any follow-up questions so i thought that was weird and then we go see john waters with a growth on his face (laughs) and it's fucking weird and they they uh the hippie guy calls him salversanti and i looked that up on imdb and that's that's what he's credited as for his name but sometimes lamberti calls him something else so I don't know what the hell is going on there. You know how sometimes they they say in Italy they they call people like uh, Paisan or Commendadore or something like yeah. a like a like a a generic word for respect or whatever. That yeah. may be the word that Lamberti is using in this scene. But Salversanti is the guy's last name, and he eventually admits that um, he had some sort of something going on with this girl um and he gives them an address to go find out what's going on but when they get there there's no more building they took it down so they've reached that was fucking weird too that was like oh hey there's this hole where a building used to be right shoot scene in front of it (laughs) yes that's probably what happened right production value yeah, you kind of get the you kind of get the sense when you watch this that a lot of what was going on in the movie was based around what they were filming in the exterior, for yeah, and things, and so, what they had access to. Yeah, and especially what comes up next, which is a scene that is mind-bogglingly baffling, which is um, Salvatore comes uh, over to Lamberti's house, and uh, he says. Um, Hey, uh, I met somebody who wants to sell me Donatella and, um, I need half a million lira to go and meet him for the exchange. So, uh, he and the cops go to this meeting, which is in the parking lot of this gigantic stadium. Yeah, you know, and then they stand them. like right next to the dude to make it like really inconspicuous. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, um, what's happening here? Doesn't the guy who's coming know that you know there's all these extra cops there? But eventually, the crowd that's in the stadium lets out, and they all flood the parking lot. And I don't understand what happens after that, dude. I don't either. Because like some guy comes up and asks him for a light. Right. They light it. And then he just starts running, like right. the pimp guy. Yep. And they start chasing him and the guy 
whose cigarette he lit or something. Right. Somebody holding the briefcase. Yeah. And then people get tackled and then all of a sudden there's no one there. And when there's kids, there's kids lighting off fireworks. Yeah. And they said something like, Oh, he didn't show up. Well then what the fuck was all that? What? Yeah. What was was, all the running around for? Was the pimp guy just trying to run with the money? Like, make a run for it like i don't get it well so the guy that they were supposed to meet is again the guy who was playing pinball in the first one of the first scenes yeah but he never shows up and so they go back to the police station and they ask salvatore to draw and then they have that scene where lamberti tells him about the eyes and the nose and the mouth and this and the and the shape of the head and everything um and it's really silly um but uh, and they put a, and, and the other thing to note is that they put a bodyguard on Salvatore because now he's scared. Um, and that comes up a little bit later. Um, but this is the turning point for the whole movie. It's the 50 minute mark. I wrote it down. Is that scene with the guy walking through this kind of bombed out farmland. And he, oh. he, he keeps like, he, you know, you don't know who he is. He's got like a cane or something. And he keeps making a face like he's smelling something bad. And he eventually comes to this body that's burned and covered in hay. Burning. Like, it's still smoldering. It's still smoldering. Right. Right. Um, And we eventually find out that this is Donatella. Now the the missing person investigation has now become a murder case instead. Um, But before we can go any further with this murder case, we have to do a whole sequence of things that are related to Bergazi finding out that his daughter is dead and him identifying her at the morgue and the, the weird way that he mourns her by taking every single thing that she has and throwing it in the garbage. Uh, (laughs) This is like, (laughs) I thought he was like getting her funeral ready. Right. (laughs) (laughs) He just puts everything in a giant bag and puts it on the curb. Like, Oh, well, Good riddance to bad rubbish. <laughs> and then the funniest thing was, he's like, um, you should go take a nap. He's like, no, I'm going to wait for this stuff to get picked up. And he's like, okay. And so they pull off. And as soon as they pull away, the trash truck comes. Perfect timing. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, he's not going to have to wait that long. But here's the thing that I was confused about. Right before they go in to tell Bergazi that his daughter is dead, um, Lamberti fills up a vial uh, a, a hypodermic needle with some sort of liquid, and yeah, he brings this he tripped me out too. He brings it in, and um, I thought that it was going to be a sedative. Like Bergazi, he knows Bergazi is going to freak out when they tell him what happened, and so while he's freaking out, we're going to give him the sedative to calm him down. But what ends up happening is Bergazi faints. Like and he's pa- having a heart attack or something. Yeah, he passes out. And then they give him the drug to wake him up. So I don't know what the fuck that was about. Well, the funniest thing was, was he's like, like, yeah, this happens frequently or something. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, dude, you're shit at your job. That if you have like a, like a supply of fucking like uppers and downers to give the people that you have to tell their kids are dead because you can't find a missing person. Right. Like, fuck me, dude. Well, I think I think it was even more like 
it was it was more flippant than that because they're sitting there and after they wake him up, Bergazi turns to Lamberti and he says, "Sorry about that." And um, Lamberti goes, "Ah, it happens. Like it happens. Yeah. Usually when we tell somebody that their daughter's dead, this is usually how they react." <laughs> it's like, "Sorry, I had a stroke." <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. It happens. Oh, we, that's why we keep these drugs around. So. Yeah. And then he fucking gives them like a handful of pills when he leaves. Right. Like, yeah. Make sure you get some sleep. If you have trouble sleeping, take this. Take this. Right. Like I'm a cop. I have like a supply of like all these drugs that we pick up from people. In fact, I just put like fucking six kilos of coke in this guy's car. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you can tell that they they've been painting Lamberti out throughout this whole thing as this this police officer who really wants to do the right thing. But he also knows how to work within the gray area of the law, like he planted the cocaine so that he could get the pimp to help them. And, you know, there's that one scene where the hippie guy goes, Oh, I resign from my, from my job. So I can beat this guy up. And then he goes here, I'm going to, you know, now that you've beaten him up, I'm going to give you your badge back. Cause I don't accept your resignation or something. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, and that chick in that scene was actually fucking hysterical. Yeah, yeah, she was. She's like, she was just like laying there, like, ugh. <laughs> I have like six more clients today. Beat the shit out of this guy. That and not was... even, not even like for the camera trying to be discreet at all. Like she's just, yeah. she's like spread eagle. With... <laughs> she's barely in shot, so it's just like she's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, like, right. I'm sure if like a lot of the chicks in this movie were actually hookers. Well, that would, I mean, there's, there's that one scene where they're interviewing that one girl who has all these really weird blemishes on her face and they use cover up to try and cover them up, but you can still see them and she's like younger looking, but anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so the one thing that the garbage men, the, 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 the main part of this whole deal is that the garbage men take all of the stuff, including the toys and stuff that Ber- uh, Berzagi puts away. And now the and Berzagi looks and he sees that there's a teddy bear riding on the dashboard in the in the trash vehicle, and he re- he recognizes that as the as Donatella's um, toy. So he basically says, "Can I have it?" And after they haggle for a little while, he gets it back. And now. This is the point in which Bergazi becomes the amateur detective. He's got this odd clue, <clears throat> the odd clue, which is the bear. The odd clue, yeah. And um, he's going to go and try and figure out how to solve the case. Um, and he's not solving the case um, to try. You know, normally the amateur detective in a, in a giallo is trying to solve the case because a they feel like their life is either at risk because they're going to be yeah. charged with the murder or the killer is going to kill them. Or at the very least, they're trying to prevent more murders. But in this case, it's just revenge. It's And this guy's not even good at it. I mean, the blonde chick is like throwing herself at him in despair like three times before this. Right. And then like, it turns out that the only people he knows outside of this job he has is the bartender and the chick at the laundromat. Right. And like, and they're I'm all sorry. in on it. I'm jumping ahead. Like <laughs> everyone in the world has tried to ruin this guy's life. Like his whole world's crumbling around. Yeah, him. absolutely. 
so then there's a, this next scene where Salvatore tries to like escape and and go on the lamb and he gets shot by the pinball machine guy. But I think at the very beginning of that scene where he tries to like escape, there, you hear a voice of somebody saying, hey, you talk too much or something like that. Yeah. And I think that was supposed to be the guy that they had on him to protect him saying that because he had um a bodyguard yeah they said he knocked him out earlier oh okay must have missed that part okay so so he tries to get away and he gets shot um and uh the next scene is herrero uh, the hooker who's living in, with the Lambertis. Wait, real she, quick. Let me just say this. We keep, or at least I keep saying, it, no one's good at their job in this movie. <laughs> no one at all. Except <laughs> the killer who could shoot a guy with a pistol at like 700 yards. <laughs> right. Like, I've never seen anyone, like, I mean, you watch movies and there's people with rifles just like blaring and dudes are just like running like they're dodging bullets. This right. guy takes one shot. The dude is like a mile and a half away and bam, he's like on his face. Right. Very good shot. He's great. He's great at it, but he's not good at um selling prostitutes. Being a pimp for mentally challenged <laughs> six foot tall women. So, he's not good at that job. Um, clearly, because he's trying to, you know, sell seller. So, um, okay. Sell so, so then, you know, so the the last part of the movie is basically these juxtapositions of the cops are trying to figure out what's going on, but also Bergazi is trying to figure out what's going on, and they're leading up to this moment where who's going to find out first? Because that's what Bergazi, that's what he's hell bent on. There's being, there's being, also this weird little subplot of the cop's wife trying to help her, 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 her. right herrero right herrero. yes because she has to reinforce the fact that she's this kind of liberal hippie uh type you know uh you know uh, uh journalist um who's trying to you know who's trying to better you know she she she's she's turned this thing into her personal kind of um her, her personal, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, let me ask you this. Did you think at this point that the wife was going to be killed? No. I totally thought. I'm like, oh, um, her, her, her boyfriend's going to show up and kill her. She's dead. Yeah. No, I never and thought that, of that. That would have <laughs> just been the whole Black Billy the Tarantula. Like, right intertwined it would have been it and well and again another reason why black belly of the tarantula if you had to if you could only if you're sitting down to watch a giallo and you have this one and tarantula as your two choices you're going to pick tarantula um probably every single time because it's just a better movie all around but it's the same theme i mean it's it's it uses the same kind of story storytelling i wonder if the person who wrote this wrote that. Um, no, I don't think so. No real connection whatsoever, other than maybe just the fact that the themes are the same, you know, that because they were pulling from the same kind of pool 
of scripts yeah, or whatever. I, I was I was stretching. You're stretching. It's okay. It's it's what we do. Um. So anyway, yes, I skipped over that part where Herrero uh, gets kicked out, and then um, there's this whole long thing where they bring in all the hookers from all the houses in all of Milan because of the note that Salvatore leaves for them. And they eventually find this mother daughter. uh, It it turns out too, that Herrera was lying to them about everything. Right. Or maybe she's protect her pimp. She was having a selective memory at least. And so she admits, um, And there's this awesome shot, by the way, where um, Lamberti's wife is sitting on the floor and Herrero is sitting there just like pounding this whiskey bottle and crying. And this dolly shot, uh, it just continues to go backwards and backwards and backwards and backwards while this is all happening. And I thought that was really an awesome, uh, you know, film technique that they did right there. Um we go back and watch it. I think that was really cool. Yeah, there's there's definitely some cool bits, and then yeah. it's, it's like the rest of this was just shot by like the movie of the week guys at the network. And I know yeah. it wasn't, but it just feels like that. It's very, it feels very TV. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. And you could tell by the sets too. It looks like it's TV. Um, so they continue to to uh, interrogate all of these hookers. And they eventually come up with the name of somebody that they go to to um, to interrogate, right? So that's the scene that we were talking about, where that woman was laying on the bed and she's out of frame. That's the scene where there, there's a little chase scene, uh, which is actually kind of cool, where Lamberti takes the engine or a piece of the engine out of the guy's car. And then he runs up the stairs and Lamberti trips him. And then they bring him back and they interrogate him. Um, and I guess at that point he tells them enough so that they're able to go to this hotel where, uh, Donatella was last seen. Right. Yeah. Um, the whole interview of all the hookers was weird and the evidence they produced was odd because we didn't know that it existed. Right. You know, so like that, like I, I was trying to follow like what questions were being asked and what the people were saying to try to figure this out. Cause like in a normal mystery, like there's clues for the audience so the audience could maybe solve the crime before the cops do or something like that. And this is not like that. This is like, you're stupid. You're a viewer. Sit back and watch us do our job. Yeah. Right. Right. And so the whole time, like there's so many times in this movie where you're like, what the fuck is happening right now? (laughs) And then you're told afterwards. So it's kind of odd. Yeah, because you can't really kind of feel like you're participating in the investigation because they really don't tell you anything ahead of time of what their what their ideas are. You know, they're just they're just, you know, going with, you know, somebody came up with an idea for I'm going to go here and follow this lead, but I'm not 
going to establish that with the audience. I'm just going to go do it. And then you've got to piece that shit together after it's over. And that happens a lot in this movie, as you've mentioned a few times. So, um, okay. I'm beating a dead horse. I get it. I get it. No, no. I mean, it's a, it's, it's interesting it's, because it's, not it's all tism. I get it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Argento tism. <laughs> It's a no. It's a good point because they don't always do that in in these movies. A lot of times, you know, um, you get an you, you you understand what what the problem is, and you know that the amateur detective is, you know, why are they going to find out this thing about this thing? Well, you know that because they found out this thing and this thing the previous scene. So it's it's a little different here for sure. And like while this is going on, the dad's going door to door with this like fucked up looking teddy bear. Right. Even though like the blonde chick has an epi with her oranges and runs away from him. <laughs> and he doesn't think for a second, maybe I should go to her door. No, I'm going to go to these other 30 doors. And by the way, this fucking apartment building looks like a goddamn prison camp. Yeah, it does. Like least, I felt like I was in Serbia or like something. That, like that courtyard area. Oh my god, this place, like, who in their fucking right mind? Yeah. This is just like the fucking, like, it's hell. Like, well, this it, is hell. This it reminded apartment. me of um, the pictures that they showed of the, uh, where they had the, uh, the in, in Russia, where they had the uh, nuclear disaster. <laughs> fucking Chernobyl? Chernobyl, that's what it looked like, a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm going. I'm. I'm. No, I'm it's, just, it's like gray and dreary and fucked and like everything's drab and it just looks cold. Yeah. Like you could be out on the street and it's like summertime, but if you go into this building, it's like the dead of winter. Yeah. It's just like the scariest <laughs> fucked place you've ever been to. So we go to the cops get enough information from this stooge who um, they don't really identify or give him a name, but they get enough information from him so that the cops can go to this hotel, I guess, and start questioning this guy about the whereabouts of um, Donatella. Right. So um, we meet this guy. His name is Franco Barania, and he actually has the exact same name as his cousin, Franco Baronia. Why would Frank, they do that? I don't know. There's absolutely no reason to make this more confusing than it fucking has to be. I, I, I think they did it on purpose to make it confusing, to be honest with you. But Okay. So Franco Baronia, and if you look if you look at IMDB, it says Franco Baronia El Otro, or um not El Otro, but whatever they would use in Italian to say the second version. La Otro. Yeah, Franco Baronia La Otro. So, uh, anyway, this guy, his name's Franco Baronia, and his cousin's named Franco Baronia, who's the pimp. And he helps facilitate all this stuff. He tries not to get involved, but he's, you know, he's he's not doing good, but he's not doing bad. It's, you know, it's this weird thing. But he eventually tells the cops, you know, what happened. And um, while he's telling the cops what happened, we also get what happened from the point of view of 
the hell is her name? Conchetta. I don't know if you realize that her name was Conchetta. This is the woman with the oranges. So, um, yeah. So Conchetta tells the story of the abduction of Donatella and it doesn't make any sense. Of course. No, she was going along with it because she was being seduced by the bartender. Right. She loved him. She would do whatever he wanted because she had been so alone for so long. Yeah, because her kid went away to school or some bullshit. Right, exactly. And and the husband is gone or something like that or dead or something. So they waited until Berzaghi went to work and then they went into the... Uh, apartment and took Donatella and there's a scene where um, the pinball machine guy uses a key to get in but how does he have a key so I don't know and I also don't understand it because earlier she was flashing pinball guy from the balcony no that wasn't him the guy in the leather jacket on the Vespa or on the motorcycle or whatever. Yeah, the, the guy, guy. The guy who they showed at the very beginning that she was flashing her body to. Yeah. Yeah, that's not the pinball guy. I thought yeah. it was. Well, I thought it was too, but it's not. They should get more than one jacket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they probably only had one jacket and wardrobe for him. Yeah. By the way, the jacket. <laughs> I thought that you would like the jacket that Salvatore was wearing in the scene where he was drawing the face. It was like brown leather and it was all distressed. Bro, and had these big had, collars. Yeah. He had some fucking threads, dude. Yeah, his outfits were awesome. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Um, it doesn't make any sense. We don't so know they, why he had a key. The, they, and, they, uh, and they take her out. And they bring her to Conchetta's house where she stays the entire day and for some reason doesn't make a sound to let uh, Bazagi in on the idea that he's his daughter's right next door. He's looking for her everywhere, but she's right next door. Yeah. Um, and then they wait until it's dark and then they take her out and they bring her to this, this place. Um, and <clears throat> now... Sorry. The, the whole timeline thing is starting to get weird for me because um, the same three people, the guy who is the bartender, who they call Michele, and um, the woman who uh, runs the laundry, I guess she's a madam, and the I'll pinball in this town. Yes. The pin, right. The pinball machine guy, he's the pimp. So a month or more ago, because they always keep talking about a month ago, a month or more ago, they did this thing where they took Donatella out um, and pimped her out. And now it's the same three people again. I guess they I guess they go everywhere. Every time she's, she's being used as a hooker, they're there to take care of her because they realize that she's like mentally challenged. Yeah. So... Whenever she has like a, a, a little hysterical session where she starts screaming, they have to go in and calm her down and stuff. And I guess that the whole idea was that they couldn't take this anymore. So they had to kill her instead because she was just too, too much to handle. Well, that they was... didn't kill her until the cops started closing in. So that means for like a month, 
she was supposed to be hooking. Right. But according to the guy at the hotel, it only lasted a day because she was screaming and crying. And according to her dad, she never did that. Well, maybe... This is is why the whole timeline starts to get fucked. Right. Because the whole reason why the uh, Lamborghini dude got killed for talking too much and all this other shit was because they were getting the heat on them because the cops were looking. And that's why they killed the girl. But what happened within the last 30 days? Yeah, well, I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, I guess the question is, you know, were they, you know, they were taking her to all these different places and these different houses to use her as a hooker. um, But it was only until the end when the cops were closing in that they realized that there wasn't anything they could do. They couldn't keep her quiet. And so they had to kill her. I don't know. Yeah, like, because from what, the whole thing doesn't make sense. And then, like, they burned her body, but when he saw her body in the morgue, she just had cuts on her legs. Right, so wouldn't she be like burned charred. more? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, Well... <laughs> A lot of this gets weird, and I don't know if this, again, is, like, lost in dubbing. Could be. something isn't making sense. But, like, do we go with the whole, like, well, people weren't really paying attention. Like, I don't know. This is, like, this is when I was getting really confused. And the whole time, I'm like, maybe they're just going to say the dad did it. Right. Like, because everything's pointing to everything else. Maybe the dad is just a weirdo. I was like, kind of hoping for some, like, really bizarre turnaround thing. Yeah, exactly. And it never happened. No. And nothing gets paid off. None of the sticks have payoffs. He never loses his sinusitis. Him and his wife never break up. Um, her murmur never has any closure on anything, but it's all because like, this was this guy's day off. Yeah. You know, this is the thing and it may be just because we've grown very jaded because we've done, (laughs) we've looked at some, so many of these films, but in the beginning it was fun to try and figure out why the film doesn't make sense. Um, was yeah. it because of dubbing? Was it because they wrote the story as they were going and didn't realize that the continuity wouldn't make sense? Or was it because they ran out of budget? flashbacks for that. Yeah. Like, I right. don't know why they would shoot flashbacks yeah. to, like, make more of a point that they have no idea what they're doing. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Right. Exactly. But I think you know, for me, it's like, I don't really care that much. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that this movie is, you know, it, it, let's let's just finish up because <laughs> we got we got to get rid of this play by play for this one, because we're 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 leaving a like this dead horse just. Whatever I'm, my, 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 I'm mixing my metaphors. Never mind. Um, okay, so basically, this is where the idea for the washing machine came from. Right. <laughs> right. 
exactly. <laughs> I thought something cool was going to happen, like his head was going to get chopped off inside the yeah, I was like the washing machine. Yeah. So oh, anyway, they're, they're 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 trying to yeah they're trying to line this thing up where Berzagi figures out who the killer is, um, and also Lamberti and his crew are figuring out who the killer is, but. Um, Berzaghi does this thing, which is kind of, and I'm going back a few scenes, but it was kind of a, uh, a smart thing where he just went around and said, Hey, does anybody know who this bear belongs to? Because I found it and I want to give it back to the person who, who it belongs to. And that was his way of, of trying to identify who the murderer was or who the abductor was by, um, acting stupid about it. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool. And then I just have to. I just have to pay a, a quick note to that scene where, you know, the, the, the camera is looking up the spiral staircases and the oranges come falling out. Oh, and um, so good. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, uh, that really was. And it reminded me of the discussion that you and I and, and, and Eric had earlier about a round circle, a square circle. And uh, is it a spiral staircase if it's not circular? But anyway, um, <laughs> Getting back to the timeline of this of the film, um, I think um, in, again they show these flashbacks, and then Bergazzi eventually goes to the laundry and confronts the laundry woman, and she's wearing a wig, which is weird. Um, and he, you know, the the rest of this movie basically just becomes, hey, this is uh, it's time now for for us to all pay attention to Bergazzi and him getting his revenge. And him finally, you know, dealing with his grief in a way that gives him some sort of closure, which is that he, you know, is stuffing, you know, these this laundry on this woman's head over and over again and saying, look, why didn't you just give her back to me? I don't mind that she was a hooker. I would have taken her back. You didn't have to burn her and kill her like it would have been OK. Um and it gets Dude, really curious at the hits end. hits him in the fucking face with an iron that's turned right. on. With the iron. That, was, comes... that was so brutal. That yeah. was the most brutal part of the whole movie. <laughs> and he comes back within seconds, you know. He's just oh. the father that's, you know, bent on vengeance, you know. And he, he won't be... He, he he won't be put down, you know. No, and so she calls the dude at the bar. He's like, he's on to us. Yeah. Yeah. And so those guys are running over at the same time the cops are running over, but not exactly the same time. Right. And um, but like I didn't know he killed the girl. Like when he was like shoving linens on her face. Yeah, he like smothered her or something. Yeah, I don't know. And, and like I don't know. So the dude shoots the bartender guy trying to shoot the um, dad yep. he shoves the dude's head in a dryer kinda and kinda shuts it on him kinda and he dies <laughs> somehow right <laughs> and um then the cops show up a day late and a dollar short yep absolutely like, oh, oh case closed yeah uh, and he's like i'm supposed to be doing this i'm the police officer and he goes yeah but it was my day off and i told you i was gonna and it, and that the ending is terrible. It's terrible. One of the worst. He says endings. it's my day off like thirty fucking times. Yeah. Like yeah, you know the sky is blue, but it's my day off. Yeah. <laughs> Cars on the road, but it's my day off. You know, like oxygen is there to breathe. It's my day off. My day off. Right. Like, it's like fuck, bro. 
And I think, but, I mean, you know, he's gone through some shit. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe you're supposed to take pity on him because, you know, he's a little bit psycho now. Like, he's he was caring for 25 years. He cared for this crazy woman. And now she's gone. And now she's dead. And he finds the killers. And now he's just in this weird psycho state where he's just muttering over and over again. It was my day off. It's the only reason why I was able to do this, because I don't work Saturdays. But who works Saturdays anyway? That's my question. Like, okay, uh, maybe someone in a laundromat maybe the maybe the cops do but is in in italy is crime doesn't have a day off yeah it doesn't you're right but i you know like i know that europeans don't have nine to five 40 hour weeks like we have in america so i wonder if because they don't think that's weird is that he said he doesn't work saturdays right like a couple other times throughout the movie yes and that to me was oh god this dubbing is so bad they're just making shit up for him to say yeah like well, pepperoni's round you know like <laughs> just weird shit but so it you actually we... like came back around to it but yeah dude like if you're wanting like a fucking big climactic ending like it was almost like the virgin spring done really badly like i don't know i don't know what you're referencing uh the virgin spring where the uh teenage daughter gets um raped and killed and the people who did it um are like travelers and the dad is all upset about his daughter being killed, but he brings these travelers in and um, helps them out and then realizes that they're the ones that killed his daughter. So that he goes on this revenge thing and kills them. It's okay. the same. It's um, Ingmar Bergman or whatever. And it's the same thing that they based uh, last house on the left on. Okay. Um, and uh, night train murders and shit. Okay. But, um, <clears throat> It's just like, this was like, I'm going to have the sloppiest fight in the world at the laundromat. Yeah. And I'm going to fucking kill everyone. And then I'm going to go crazy. Right. Just like, and then the cop who we followed the whole time, who I guess isn't supposed to be the hero, but he's like the guy who we're like following the most is just like, oh, I didn't do it i fucked up like shit yeah it just everything just ends flat it's just totally flat and weird and you know maybe that's partly because of you know what they what they felt they needed to do to wrap things up but you know there are a lot of jolly where um they get to the end and they wrap things up very, very quickly, and there's no like, there's no rumination on any of the events that transpired. It's just like, here's what happened, we're done. But this one was way worse than that because we're following this Lamberti character through the whole thing, and we've forgotten all about Bergazi or whatever his name is. And then he comes back, and you, you know, like the whole idea of the three of them coming together to solve the case, you wanted there to be a little bit more, you know, re- resolved at the end where they had like one more scene where 
like I and maybe this maybe this was written and they just didn't film it, but I'm thinking there's one final scene where they they let Bergazi off the hook. They don't arrest him for any of the shit that he did because they figured he's he deserves to be able to to get his revenge. And they're back in Lamberti's office and you know, Bergazi has gotten past his his mourning period, and he feels like he's he's back. You know, he's back feeling feeling okay again. And they send him on his way, and then um, the one guy comes in, and he's got a haircut. And uh, Lamberti's like, "Yeah, I'm going to see the doctor tomorrow about my sinusitis or something like that." And then, yeah. and then there's the end, right? Um, and his wife's dead. <laughs> and, and the hooker is like got a heart of gold now and she's gonna go back to school and it, it's the inspector's last day on the force you know like oh, there was nothing there's none of that nope not a thing and like I kept thinking like maybe um, the dad would like try to do some kind of suicide Right. Like when the cops got there, the cops would shoot him. And then that would kind of be like, because a lot of movies end with like the killer dying at the end of the movie or them taking him away. This, they don't even take him away. They don't know what to do with them. They're, they're just as confused as we are. Right. <laughs> as to what the fuck happens next. You know? But he killed, so, he killed the killers. So it's like. Do we let him go? Yeah. What do we do? And the whole yeah. time, the other cop is like, do I really need a haircut? <laughs> like, I think I look very nice. In fact, the inspector's hair is kind of poofy. I think he needs a haircut. Yeah, he needs one too. That's the other thing. Yeah, he just looks like... Old man pubes, <laughs> right? Like his whole head. It's just like <laughs> weird salt and pepper, gray long pubes. <laughs> there you go. That's what that's what they should rename this movie. Salt and pepper. Well, pubes. see, it's funny because like I'm glad you started doing the play by play because I was going to call him old man pube head the whole time, <laughs> and that probably would have got old really fast. <laughs> Because well, I had old pube head, um, <laughs> hippie, um, hooker, girlfriend, dad, blonde chick, um, pinball guy, bartender <laughs> dude. Like we did keep we did keep saying uh, a pinball guy though. We were we're yeah. doing we were doing that a, a while, but um. Yeah, so it ends with a big flop, and, um, you know, I guess... That might be why this movie is not that fondly remembered. Yeah. Like, honestly, if that's the last bit you see, like, an end, like, if your end sucks, like, your whole movie could be great, and if that ending sucks, people walk out going, wow, that sucked. Like, that was like a fart in church. Yeah. Like, that was... Well, I, I mean, you know, put yourself in a time machine and pretend that you went to see this in the movie theater in the 70s. And, you know, we always paint this picture when we're when we're trying to 
have this historical context approach to these films. You're in the theater. You're not paying attention. Maybe you walked in halfway through the movie. Um, so you don't really know what's going on, but then you get to the end and there's this big fight and there's this guy and there's this laundromat and all these people and shooting. And then it ends with him and his bloody head. And he's talking about his day off and then they freeze frame it and they zoom out. And that's the end of the movie. Like, I don't know. My question is like, if we were in this time machine and we go back to the movie house to see this, are the people in the audience like, are they dressed as nice as the people in the movie? Like, are they, like, as hip? Are they as cool? Are they, like, the people in the background of all the scenes? Like, in V-neck white t-shirts, like, with, like, a shit hat and, like, drinking a, I don't know, a fresca or some fucking shit, whatever you drink. I think like, the second I mean? thing... Like, do, you think they look like the beat hookers that were in this movie that you weren't that fond of? Yeah, I mean, like, not to be disparaging, but from what I understand from history, these <laughs> these films <laughs> these films were shown in these third run third run movie theaters, right? Yeah, um, but like you know, like in Torso, like they're at this like university and everyone looks cool as shit. Yeah. Like all the fucking time. Like whenever I picture people going to see these movies, I picture like a bunch of people who I would murder for their jackets. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't picture that. What was that? What was that? I just got an eye roll from the <laughs> old wifey poo. <laughs> You'd murder them for their jackets? Yeah. <laughs> that all the shit you said tonight, that's where you get the eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's classic yeah that was the thing that got the eye roll <laughs> yeah i don't know man uh, uh i don't know i i don't i don't envision the people that go to these movies looking like the hipsters that are in torso i just don't see it um i picture some dude who was working like a labor type job who just got off work, went so back to... So it looks a... more like House of Laughing Windows. Yeah. Or... Yeah, okay. That's you know, fucking sad and depressing. Well, I mean, you know, I think the idea here was that people didn't have TVs, and so they went out to these... These, to watch these, these were the glamour people. Yeah. Like, they're looking at the glamour. They're looking at the glamour people, right. Yeah. Right. Well, that is... Uh... That, for better or for worse, is um, death occurred last night, and um, we have <laughs> we do this thing on this podcast where after we get done tearing it apart for a couple hours, we ha- usually have a different opinion of it than when we started. And yeah. for, for me, uh, I like it less than I did when we started. I like it more, and you like That's it more. So funny, not much more, but like. I don't know if I would want to watch it again. Like now, I almost want to watch it again. Well, that, I guess that's my that's my benchmark. If we get done talking about it and I want to watch it again, then that means I liked it, and I don't. But I did watch it three times. So how many? I've watched it three times already. So okay, I only watched it once. Yeah, which so is maybe... funny because the last two movies I watched over and over again. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I I don't think I would return to this one anytime soon. Because, um, like, honestly, like, we've said it a bunch of times already. Like, I want to watch Black Belly of the Tarantula right now. Yeah, and I may just you go know? do that right now when we're done talking. Yeah. But Seriously. Um, but, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I'll say that, you know, uh, uh, in a positive, let's end on a, on a high note here. One of the things that I'll say about Death Occurred Last Night is it definitely gives you a sense of where the genre was headed. Because... One way or another, Bird with a Crystal Plumage it was either out already or was about to come out. And this movie, it doesn't look anything like um, Weekend Murders. And it doesn't look anything like In the Folds of the Flesh. Um, but it does remind me of some of the other Jolly that came like it, a year later. It definitely doesn't look 60s at all. Right, right. And it feels more like 72 73 correct than 70 and if you like were to just that yeah makes sense. yes it does and if you were to just take some of the plot things in this movie and switch it up with you know a, uh, a mystery killer then it would feel a lot more like a classic giallo so like if um, you spent more time with the dad and less time with um pubic hair head yes exactly like, yeah boom we, we took care of that you got to get those reference you got to get those references to pubic hair head in because you yeah you, you, we've Somebody's been talking to lamberti this whole time it's so and, funny you said his name like a thousand times and i had no idea like if you were to say what was his name i'd go pubic hair head <laughs> like no idea um I, I think the only reason why I remember his name is because there's a restaurant down the street from me called Lamberti's Cucina. And it's just every time I see his name, I think of going and getting some pizza. Next, like, what is it? Hatchet for the honeymoon? Is that all that's left? Uh, we have Hatchet for the honeymoon, um, and one more called Your Sweet Body to Kill. That's right. Yeah. Like, then, I'm really looking forward to Hatchet for the honeymoon because when I saw that originally, I really liked it. So we will try our best to um, get something going for Hatchet for the honeymoon for next time don't forget to check the show notes there'll be a link to the email address in there there will be a link to our facebook page in there um send us an email post something let us know um you can always go on to obviously apple podcasts or any of the other places where they will let you rate them and give us a rating give us a review that would be awesome and join the facebook group yeah join I did, but but it, it bears repeating. It bears repeating. Go join the Facebook group. We're going to try to interact with you crazy people a little bit more. Yeah. Um, especially now that Matt is back on Facebook. So. Especially since Chris started pole dancing. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>